1: Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight we're looking at Tombstone by Yang Sheng, which is a, a personal account of the Great Leap Forward and the famine uh, in China uh, that came with it. The book itself is, a, is an interesting uh, combination of uh, personal memoir and um, historical memory and the, kind of the re-examination of the past and the re-examination of of personal and collective past. So, tonight, I'm going to look at the question of um, communal kitchens. These were the kitchens that were established in towns and villages uh, across China, um, in place of uh, cooking uh, and uh, communal space in in the home. Essentially, in a a village which would have been part of a collective, and the collective would have been part of a, a commune, um the uh food uh, distribution and um feed, the feeding of the people had been um collectivized had been, um and so there was now no individual um food um preparation or cooking in, in any home um this was uh, a, a means of controlling um food allocation um controlling Rations, in essence, uh, and therefore uh, in- inducing uh, further uh, levels of excessive work. But it was also, as we shall see, um, the part of uh, Mao's assault on the concept of the family. The kitchens lasted between 1958 and 1961, uh, the peak years of the famine, uh, which killed, some historians argue, 40 million. Uh, some uh, believe anything up to 70 million. Uh, obviously, um, Frank Dakota's book, Mao's Great Famine, uh, in the last part of the book, um, there is the the breakdown of the statistical analysis on, on how many died. Anyway, Yang Zhisheng writes, The communal kitchens, although a component of the people's communes, deserve separate attention because of their direct relevance to the Great Famine. Communal kitchens opened in the summer and autumn of 1958 and closed in the summer of 1961, but their disastrous consequences far surpassed that brief time frame. Seeing the family as the social foundation of of the private ownership system and a major impediment to communism, some reformers advocated eliminating the family, a notion that appealed to Mao and other leaders of China's Communist Party in their use in in a speech on the uh, on march the 22nd 1958 mao said in socialism private property still exists factions still exist families still exist families are the product of the last stage of primitive communism and every trace of them will be eliminated in the future kang yu perceived this in his great harmony historically the family has been a, a production unit consumption unit, and a unit for giving birth to the next generation of the labour force and educating children. Now worker families are no longer production units. This is even more the case for families involved in the bureaucracy and the army. It is possible that in the future, the family will no longer be beneficial to the development of productivity. Many of our comrades don't dare to consider problems of this nature because their thinking is too narrow. Winnie Kershaw uh, formulated his theories about how decision making took place in Nazi Germany and looked at uh, cumulative radicalisation. This idea that Hitler spoke in uh, broad visions but never wrote things down and never really uh, went into specifics with uh, henchmen uh, because he didn't want to be kind of pinned down on what he was really really getting at. Um, he he called it the model of working towards the Fuhrer. And there is a perhaps an equivalent version in China of you know working towards the great helmsman, if you if you like, of Mao articulating certain views and then um, local and regional functionaries interpreting those views and doing the kinds of things they imagine Mao wants them to do. Followers took action once Mao had uh, given the, uh, sort of, uh, given out these thoughts, um, and had began, and they began to organise canteens. Um, for uh, and these had been organised before for for busy um, farming seasons. However, when the um, uh, upper leadership. Saw these um, makeshift canteens as really being the kind of the, the ultimate expression of communism with, within the, the peasant village. Um, they became enormous, enormously significant. Uh, the uh, party activists and party cadres would rip out cooking utensils, uh, ovens, stoves. Uh, and, and anything else of use from homes, um, and, and uh, often these things would be either left to moulder in a barn, or they would be, if they were, you know, worth stealing, would be uh, recycled, you know, handed on to um, uh, to, to 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 beneficiaries somewhere. Um, and the uh, food cooking equipment would be um established in a communal vi- a communal building in the village and that's where food would be prepared mao seemed to think that uh, severing the link between uh food and payment was um a a, a kind of a, a, a great innovation he he looked to the biography of the han warlord zhang lu Um, who who wrote of um, his army um, uh, dining free, basically, uh, at roadhouses uh, without having to pay. And he saw this as a a kind of a a, a great example. During two visits to Henan province's uh, bumper wheat harvest exhibitions, uh, these were the kind of the the Chinese version of the Potemkin village of uh, showing Mao and the other members of the um, uh, the the party leadership, how successful certain provinces have been, it was almost always untrue. Um, one of the reasons why the the, the famine spirals out of control and Mao is so indifferent towards it is that Mao genuinely believes in some cases that um, the that there are bumper harvests happening all over the place because he's being told the information that he wants to hear. but anyway, during the visit to Henan province's bumper wheat harvest on July the 19th and August the 6th, um, uh, 1958, Zhu Enlai uh, commended the communal kitchens. When he heard that Henan's communal canteens didn't charge for their meals, he said, Shanghai's communal canteens only sell meals. They're not as good as those here. Uh, he said, thorough liberation required liberating women from their household duties and he promoted communal kitchens and communal nurseries as sprouts of communism. Um, some of Liu Shaoqi's encouraging words for communal mess halls are quite revealing. Speaking to the, party leader, the leading party group of the All-China Women's Federation on June 14th, 1958, he noted, Chairman Mao speaks of three no's, no government, no country, no family. This will be implemented everywhere in future. Chairman Mao has said twice that the family must be eliminated. I wonder how well you understand this concept. You need to sit down and talk about it. Of course the elimination of the family won't happen tomorrow, but sometime in the future. In China, Kang Yuai was the first to talk of eliminating the family. He advocated men and women, ma- women marrying no more for no more than a year and said that this would eliminate families in 60 years. He was thinking in terms of eliminating private property. He believed that families held private property and that by eliminating families, it would be possible to eliminate private property. He said as if if a wife and children were considered to be one's own personal property, it would be impossible to achieve the common good for all. For that reason, he advocated eliminating the family. Chairman Mao says the family is a historically produced phenomenon and will be eliminated. Now, this um, notion of the family being a historically produced phenomenon, I mean, well, yes, of course, it, it kind of is. Um, however, the the elimination that, that he speaks of um, was in the service of um, the, the this kind of Maoist notion of a, of a surge into the future when the entire population can be mobilised... On uh, mass as one, then um, China uh, and particularly a, a, a Maoist vision of China would overtake the rest of the world. Um, there was a uh, there was, of course, before uh, Mao's revolution or uh, well, Mao's seizure of power. More to the point, um, the idea, that kind of a, a chateau shuttle view of. Uh, marriage in much of rural China that um, will, women and children were the properties of their their husbands, um, and some of the more progressive voices within the Chinese Communist Party, of course, wanted to dis- dismantle this uh, and um, to end the idea uh, of a kind of chattel slavery, um, and obviously the kind of the the very various. Um, it is practices like foot binding and, and, and that kind of thing. But that's not what Mao is really talking about in this instance. Mao is basically wanting to uh, break up family units, which are obstacles to, firstly, the power of the state. The, the whole idea is that there is no barrier, no institution, no structure that exists between the state and the individual, or uh, or Mao and the individual. Uh, and secondly... This was a a means of mobilising the entire uh, workforce, um, of giving um, the most vital commodities and resources, uh, food and food distribution and food preparation, over to the state. And it was a way of also tearing apart private space, private spheres. Much as the the Soviet Union had an antipathy towards uh, the private sphere uh, of family life, uh, and thus, the practice of cramming families into uh, flats together, which had perhaps been suitable for one family and, and wound up being a uh, home for four or five, uh, to make sure there was no privacy, Nobody, everyone could hear everybody else. The paper thin walls or uh, curtain partitions meant that uh, families never had secrets. And also, it was an inducement in the Soviet Union to kind of uh, shove people out to kind of enjoy. Communal and public spaces, uh, because um, in the the private sphere, uh, conspiracies could be uh, could be talked of, uh, and um, dissent could could occur. Um, and regimes born of revolutions have a particular kind of of paranoid uh, paranoid thinking. In his speech, uh, as if to emphasise the point, Liu Shaoqi continued. At present, there is a great deal of wasted manpower in society. Household duties are performed by each family. Each family makes meals. Every family washes clothes. Every family raises raises children. Every family mends clothes and makes shoes. Embarking on communist society should liberate women from all household labour. For that reason, this is my vision. We need to establish many nurseries and communal kitchens and run many service-type industries. Annan has an agricultural cooperative with more than 500 households, uh, among which more than 200 households run a communal kitchen and no longer cook meals at home. After the communal kitchen was organised, the workforce increased uh, now by 30%. Previously, 200 people were uh, cooking meals. Now only 40 people cook. And people are eating more and better. while saving grain. The biggest advantage is the reduction from 200 people cooking to 40 people cooking. Making cooking a collective undertaking has brought greater productivity and economy. But you see, this was not the case. There was constant propaganda that families that ate at communal kitchens ate better and ate more. And the government um, announced the quantities of rice that could be consumed... And the uh, the amount of um, uh, food, meat, and vegetables, and other things that it was you were almost like to receive in a communal kitchen, but this was, was never uh, never the case. And also, it meant sure that work norms could be imposed and uh, working quotas could be imposed on communes, particularly work uh, away from the land, work that uh, the peasants weren't suited to experienced him, Uh, and it meant that uh, those who were not meeting their work quotas were uh, were, were subject to to penalties, particularly food penalties. Yang Zhisheng writes, In setting up the mess halls, uh, homes were dismantled, and walks, basins, bowls, cups, and other cooking utensils, plus chairs and tables, were requisitioned. Grain supplies were centralised at the communal kitchen, along with firewood, livestock and poultry. Even wild herbs were handed over to the canteen. In some villages, cadres allowed commune members to retain a few pots and pans to reheat food brought home from the mess hall. Kindergartens, nurseries and facilities for the elderly were established with resources seized from families without compensation, and homes were vacated to house the facilities. In Mao's home village, upwards of 30% of the residential area was affected by the chaotic organisation of communal dining and living quarters. Original owners could not return to their their homes and people who had lived in their own homes were unable to preserve their property rights, leaving every family in a state of uncertainty. Of course, in some localities, uh, widely dispersed residences were demolished, and communist new villages were built in centralised locations. If a home was torn down before the new village was built, families had to be split up, with males and females quartered separately. There, there was at the the very in the very early days of the uh, the Russian Revolution, or, or the, the 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 kind of the post revolutionary society, that um, uh, Lenin uh, and uh, Trotsky. Uh, And uh, Sverdlov and Stalin began to create something sort of similar in that um, a a highly regimented, highly uh, controlled uh, workforce, um, there was some kind of uh, vague attempt to split men and women up into uh, kind of barrack living um, that the and um, that there was uh, ultimately no need for family life that uh, children could be uh, put into crashes, uh, and that men and women could be uh, devoted to that thing that uh, the the Bolsheviks and um, Mao were obsessed with work it's uh, this kind of um, light motif this is a motif that kind of runs through. Um, revolutionary socialist thinking in the twentieth century is this this absolute obsession with work, um, and from the the kind of the uh, the forcing of class enemies to engage in in manual work as humiliation to the in both China and the Soviet Union to the kind of raising of work to be uh, a, a public virtue. Uh, with the Stokhanovites in, in Russia, the, the idea that if one breaks one's work work production norms, one is a public hero. Uh, and it, it it comes down to this idea uh, in, in Marx's theory that socialism is a, a period of struggle, this is a period of hard work, it's a period where um, the people are responsible for the building up of socialism, um, the building up of society into something where it it can make that that leap towards communism. Uh, Yang Jisheng writes, when Liu Shaoqi visited his home county in 1961, officials told him that Ningxiang County had a population of 840,000. But its original 700,000 dwellings had been reduced to 450,000. Of those... More than thirty thousand had been occupied by the state and the collective, without compensating owners, leaving only four hundred twenty thousand dwellings for commune members. Buildings were also dem- uh, were also demolished to use the old brick uh, for great fertilize- uh, uh, for a great fertilizer collection campaign. Of course, these would have been um, uh, mud uh, bricks which had manure in them, which would have been very. Uh, uh, very, very good for for putting on the fields, but not so uh, not so helpful if your house has been bulldozed. Cadres and militia ransacked homes and sometimes beat and detained occupants. When villagers handed over their assets, it was in an atmosphere of extreme political pressure. The campaign against private property rendered many families destitute and homeless. Mess hall facilities had been constructed in the April and May of nineteen fifty nine. In Wanlei and Wanian in Sichuan, in Sichuan province, uh, more than a thousand yuan was spent on the Wanian communal kitchen for paint, whitewash, plaster, doors, and windows. At a time when one when pay for one day's labour was about 0.2 yuan. Around the same time, of uh, around the same amount of money was spent on the Wanlei mess hall, which could seat seven hundred to eight hundred people. The dining hall of the Wanian communal kitchen seated around 500 to 600. Apart from their red and green painted main dining halls, both canteens had several side rooms with colourful signs designated them as a club room, a library, a storeroom, male visitors, female visitors, tailor, barber, clinic, nursery and so on. The gaily decorated walls were festooned with bulletin boards for ideological writings. Walking into the canteen parlour, One was greeted by a long table uh, covered with colourful tapestry and flower vases, thermos flasks full of hot water and reading materials. In the entryway was a flower bed with, uh, with calla lilies, garden balsam and orchids. A dozen flagpoles protruded above the main entrance with China's national flag hanging from the central and highest position. So each household um, would have contributed four or five yuan um, to the cost of the canteens. So quite, quite a lot of money, and at least perhaps getting on for kind of a month's uh, a month's worth of, uh, of wages. The premises had been obtained through persuasion, uh, with dozens of households required to leave their homes. Um, houses being kind of knocked together in, in a way. Uh, the 100 tables and 400 odd benches in each dining hall had been similarly commandeered. All items were painted a uniform colour to prevent recognition by the erstwhile owners. Once completed, the facilities re- received an endless stream of visitors and raised a buzz of excitement. Dining hall service and kitchen staff all wore white uniforms and aprons decorated with a lotus leaf motif. Visitors helped themselves to white rice, steam bowls, stuffed buns, steam buns, and meat and vegetable dishes, while ordinary commune members ate watery gruel. So again, the analogy of the, the Potemkin village um, was um, uh, was 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 there. And it was a way, I suppose, of if you imagine the Marxist critique of capitalism is that capitalism extracts surplus labour value um, in terms of um, uh, profit uh, from uh, workers uh, and uh, is, is a means of kind of siphoning wealth upwards. Well, this you know, Maoism seems to kind of extract kind of surplus calorie value, um, the, uh, the the food that is um, no, that is uh, denied to. Uh, the peasants, whose belongings would be requisitioned to make uh, the communal kitchens, is um, concentrated and given to dignitaries, guests and that old Western visitor that uh, might be sympathetic to Maoist China and be shown around it, uh, the country in, in, all, in all its glory. Um in theory, households were allocated private plots still, known as ziliudi, um, but they were not to exceed 5% of the village's average per capita land allocation, which is significantly less than the peasants would have enjoyed previously. Um, a central committee resolution promulgated on the 29th of August 1958 stipulated that plots of land for personal use may be com- collectively run in the process of merging the commune, so it was easy for land for personal use to be taken away uh, uh, again. Um, so, if a family couldn't didn't cook at home, um, and it was unnecessary for the family to grow one's own vegetables because um, uh, personal land for personal use could be taken away, private plots uh, could be taken away, and with no livestock of one's own, it was therefore unnecessary to produce things like um, animal feed. The uh, Central Committee recommended that land allocated for personal use um, of commune members must be transferred to the communal kitchen. Um, Sichuan was the first to do this, as the Provin- Provincial Party Secretary, Liu Jing chan um, uh, subsequently observed. It's a good thing we insisted on taking back the land allocated for private use in Lujo prefecture last year. Otherwise, we'd have had to fight hard to to set up communal kitchens this year. With the confiscation of livestock, poultry, household parts, only only collective production was left. So it it was a way of, of gradually eliminating any other system of creating or supplying food to oneself other than reliance on the um, communal kitchens. Um, What tends to happen in periods of famine, and you see this during um, the the last three decades of uh, the 19th century in in India, is when the traditional structures that have evolved over many, many centuries uh, that people rely on, Um, to deal with uh, uncertainty, to deal with the the vagaries of the climate and and all these kinds of things. When these communal structures, how people rely on one another, how people share, how people uh, hoard, how people do what they do, when you rip these away, then you leave large numbers of people defenceless against uh, against any sort of downturn in, in the food economy. Uh, or any uh, change in the weather in, in the environment. And if you consider all the other things, uh, in terms of forced work, in terms of um, essentially interfering with the way that crops were planted, uh, removing peasants from the land and making them work on construction projects, uh, and a whole range of other stuff, the number of kind of uh, social and economic shocks that Mao, in the space of a year or two, delivers to peasant society, uh, then it it becomes easy to see why the death toll during the famine is so immense. Um, Anyway, I'm going to pause there. Um, Do pop by the new Explaining History website, www.explaininghistory.org. That's going to, over the next few months, be gradually populated with more and more content. Uh, and I'm hoping eventually to put some teaching materials on there as well, because I know that'll be helpful to everybody. Um, Come and check us out at the Facebook group as well, and say hi. Uh, And uh, anybody who is willing to, or able to, spare a little bit for the Explaining History Patreon, um, we do uh, rely on a little bit of ad revenue here, and um, the the kindness of our patrons. Thanks very much, everybody. Take good care. Bye-bye.